the church said, amen. God bless you. Thank you in advance for your giving. Thank you for just being who you are. A lot of needs, a lot of things taking place, a lot coming up. So if you don't have the app or we don't have your email address, please leave it at the front desk. We would love to email you. We send out weekly emails about all the things that are coming up, and there's a ton of stuff coming up between now and the end of September. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Water baptism, small groups, just a bunch of stuff. So God's good, amen? All the time. And God is good. Praise the Lord. Jane and I spent a few days in Colorado this week, and uh, it was our anniversary, so we took a small trip out there and just had some great time. And uh, in the morning, uh, when we woke up, it was between 45 and 48 degrees, and it was just absolutely beautiful, especially with the heat wave that's kind of hit the country. And it got up to about 70 or 72 during the day, but we had a great time. The Lord showed me a few things while we were our flights out there were just not good, and so I had plenty of time to study uh, and uh, on the plane. But the Lord showed me some really cool things that I want to I want to talk to you about today. Uh, Jenny and I have gone to Colorado for a number of years uh, with our kids growing up. Of course, living in Nebraska, we would drive out there. We did it for 15 or 16, 17 years in a row, and uh, we've been back probably six or seven times since we've uh, lived down here. Uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, we went to um, a retreat at a monastery outside of Estes Park. Now, being uh, born and raised Roman Catholic, I understand monasteries. I get them. You know, it's kind of a place of solitude. And Janie wasn't so, so hip on the idea. I, I maybe painted a little bit better picture than what it was really going to be. And when we showed up, she wondered where the TV was. And I said, well, there's no TV. It's a monastery. No TV. She wanted no, you know, well, maybe she could pick up something on herself. And no cell service, you know, no shopping. None, none of the things that, you know, she likes to do to, to really get away. And, uh, and so at the, by the end of it, the end of the week, she, she enjoyed herself, I think, a little bit at least, maybe, maybe just a little bit. She understood the whole, uh, the whole premise of a monastery. Well, uh, I think 20 pastor couples uh, there were, were invited up to spend the week with Eugene Peterson, who translated the Message Bible, okay? And Eugene Peterson, if you don't know anything about him, really quiet man, really a, a deep thinker, uh, really precious to the kingdom. He passed away a couple years ago, a uh, really good author. And he took some time and he translated the Message Bible into what, in his mind, because we would hear, we'd do a two hours with Eugene Peterson every morning, then we would hike every afternoon, then we would come back and do a church service at night. And in his words, my, my big takeaway for the week was he wanted to translate the Message Bible into how Jesus or Paul or David or the the prophets would have spoken to us today. In other words, it wouldn't be King James Version, a lot of thus and thous and thou shall not and those type of things. It would be more in line with 21st century. And so I appreciate that about him, plus the spirit that he walked in and just his gentleness and kindness, a real true Christ follower. I say all that to say this, not only that I had Colorado on my mind, I'm going to be reading out of the Message Bible today. Some people ask what translation I use. I've used Holman, uh, English Standard Version I do right now. Now, most of the time, I've used King James in the past. Uh, today, I'm going to use the message, and I've used it before, but it's really important on how you need to hear how Paul uh, says Galatians, the second chapter. It's the free gospel. That's the name of our, of our series, uh, and he really brings it to light 
uh, through the second chapter of Galatians. And, and again, it's important for us to know. So I'm going to pray, and then we're, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It takes about four minutes, and I'll read it off my phone where all my notes are because I was on a plane uh, way too long on Monday. Uh, but we went to Denver through Los Angeles. Now, if you know your geography very well, that's not a direct flight, okay? And so just, and then we took five, was five or six hours late before we, we took, uh, it, just, it was just, it's, it's one of those things. But, but, but maybe it was just God give me time to formulize my, my notes and my outline so that he could give you and me what he really wants to give us for today, all right? So we're going to pray, then we're going to read Galatians, the whole second chapter, 21 verses out of the Message Bible, and I, and I want you to grab some things today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you, Lord, for life. We thank you today, Lord, for people. Thank you for those watching online, those tuning in, those who are going to watch this week, those who are in-house, or those who are serving, those who are downstairs in the uh, children's zone. Father, we just pray blessings upon each person today. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to not only hear, but to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, Amen. All right. I'm going to read it off my phone because that's where I've got it on the Message Bible. And uh, just follow along. They'll have the words up there for you. This is Paul. Fourteen years after that first visit, Barnabas and I went up to Jerusalem and took Titus with us. I went to clarify with them what had been revealed to me at that time. I placed before them exactly what I was preaching to the non-Jews. I did this in private with the leaders, those held in esteem by the church, so that our concern would not become a conversational, uh, controversial public issue, marred by ethnic tensions, exposing my years of work to denigration and endangering my present ministry. Signif significantly, Titus, non-Jewish though he was, was not required to be circumcised. While he, we were in conference, we were infiltrated by spies pretending to be Christians who slipped in to find out just how tr free true Christians are. Their ulterior motive was to reduce us to their brand of servitude. We didn't give them the time of day we were determined to preserve the truth of the message for you. As for those who were considered important in the church, their reputation doesn't concern me. God isn't impressed with mere appearances, and neither am I. And of course, these leaders were able to add nothing to the message I had been preaching. I was soon, it was soon evident that God entrusted me with the same message to the non-Jews as Peter had been preaching to the Jews. Recognizing that my calling had been given by God, James, Peter, and John, the pillars of the church, shook hands with me, and Barnabas assigning us to a ministry to the non-Jews while they continued to be responsible for preaching out to the Jews. The only additional thing they asked was that we remembered the poor, and I was already eager to do that. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with non-Jews. But that, when that conservative group from the Jeru from, came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. But when he saw, I saw that they were maintaining a steady distance, straight course, according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all, 
if a Jew, you a Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem cronies? We Jews knows that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jews, sinners. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do you know? We tried it, and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no man, being, no human can be, being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as a Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Having some of you noticed that have some of you noticed that we are not perfect yet? No great surprise here, right? And you are ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't perfectly virtuous, Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin? The accusation is frivolous. If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting like a charlatan or a fraud. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have crucified, been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. It is not clear to you that to go back to the old, is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule keeping, peer pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Can you say amen? Wow, there's a lot of stuff there, right? I mean, that, that, that's, that, there's a lot of stuff there. And I wanted to read it out of the Message Bible because, again, I think it brings it a little bit into today's light. A couple of things before we really begin. I appreciate the fact that, P, uh, that Paul comes into Jerusalem 14 years after the fact, and he's going to meet with some of the influencers uh, in the Christianity, and he meets with them quietly, not really even secretly as much as just quietly. He doesn't want to make a big show of it. He's kind of vetting or judging himself, saying, hey, is what I'm doing right? And if I'm preaching the gospel to uh, people who maybe certain people don't think deserve it, am I okay preaching it to them? And uh, basically, Peter, James, and John say, yeah, you go ahead and you preach to the non-Jews, we're going to go ahead and preach to the Jews. And so there's some sense of wisdom there saying, wait a second, let's not pre-qualify people who can or cannot hear the gospel. Let's make sure that if you're, if you're in tune with Christ, that we have a loving relationship and we're all in on this thing. And so it's important as we go through this to know that this is a free gospel. And it's not only free to us, it's free to everybody. Can you say amen? 
in that being free, there's no qualifications. There's no pre-qualifications. In other words, you don't, you, we sh- you should get water baptized. We're going to do a baptism in September on the Labor Day weekend, but it's not a pre-qualification. You can't line up with things and then become saved. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance, and it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that gets them pointed in the right direction, okay? So this is, this is a big issue in the church world at the time, and it's kind of a big issue today because we, we, we come from different sectors, okay, different parts of the world or country. We come from maybe different religious backgrounds or different uh, traditional backgrounds or even maybe some legalistic backgrounds, and that comes into our Christianity, that comes into our walk with Christ. And because it comes into our walk with Christ, then we're, we're, we have these preconceived notions that someone may or may not be saved based on certain situations or instances. So I'm going to clarify a couple things as I see them, but you got to stay stay with me to the end because then we'll requalify some actions and some behaviors and some things. Now, Paul does this throughout the book of Galatians. And again, this is just the second chapter, but he mentions the word free a couple times in here. It's truly a free gospel, and there's truly freedom in these realms. And so he's looking at a couple things on how he sees and how he sees fit, and he calls some things out because he wants to make sure, and I like the part where he says, hey, they they like what I'm preaching, they just want to make sure that I take care of the poor. See, it is the church's duty to really take care of the poor. That's why we need to be praying for the orphanages in Haiti. That's why we need to uh, help the food pantry. That's why we need to continue to feed people. It's really the church is duty. Now, whenever the church lacks in duty, sometimes a government will come in, and then we can't get mad at the government for doing something that we've refused to do. The only problem is, generally speaking, through historical times, governments never get it right because they're not God-centered, they're man-centered. So when we get mad at the government, we need to get mad at the church first for not doing its duty over the last 30, 40, or 50 years like we should, okay? Are you with me? That's just a a sidebar. That's not the message. Well, Paul talks about the pillars being uh, John, Peter, and James, and I would say Peter, James, and John, uh, in that order, doesn't matter the order, but I want to clarify, it's not James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who he called the sons of thunder. James, that James has already died. So he's talking about James, Jesus's brother, the oldest uh, biological son of Mary and Joseph, okay? So then you have John, which is the beloved, and you have Peter. And Peter, I imagine, is is kind of a, a rough guy. I think he's a fisherman. He kind of reminds me of maybe Popeye. He got the big forearms, you know, don't know if he smoked a pipe or not. Uh, don't know if his language, we know that in the Bible he did cuss a few times when he was acting like a non-Christian. So those of you who cuss are sometimes non-Christians. <laughs> according to Peter, not according to Mark, that's just according to Peter. Or you're from Burke County, whichever. I don't, I don't know. However, that however that works. Um, <laughs> so Peter, Peter's rough, all right? James is Jesus' uh, brother, uh, who did not, by the way, didn't believe in Jesus until he was crucified, uh, buried, and then resurrected, that he'd become a follower, but he becomes a leader in the church. And then we have uh, John, who's the beloved. Well, they're, they're called the pillars. Now, in, in my time in, in Colorado, uh, when Janie and I would get up early and then we'd go up 
11, 12,000 feet, and we would hike uh, and just had a good time. The Lord started imparting in me some different things. I have my outlines ready to go. I have my, my messages, for the most part, I fine-tune the week of, and God just started showing me how these three pillars are still three pillars in the church today, and we'll go, we'll go one by one. So the first one is Peter, and we, we look at salvation, which is, which is uh, uh, you can't have church without salvation. Now, I'll clarify for those who might be watching or in-house. Peter is not our way to salvation. Jesus is, all right? But I want to talk about Peter's salvation or transformation for a moment because there's a lot of confliction in it. So when we, we get saved by accepting Christ into our life, into our heart, and by accepting what he did on the cross. So man sinned, okay, but God loves man so much that he sent his son, the only perfect lamb that could die for us, and Christ died for us willingly out of obedience so that we could be set free. And again, this is the free gospel. This is the series, uh, what Galatians is all about. So when we accept Christ, we're free. Amen? And we're, we're free from what? We're free from sin. We're free from things that used to hang us up. There's, there's a new freedom then that we're found. And this is really important because Peter, in Matthew's gospel, the 16th chapter, uh, Jesus comes and says, who do men say that I am? And uh, the, the group, the apostles say, well, some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Elijah, some of the other prophets. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, with boldness, stood up and said, you are the Christ, which means anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, Simon Barjona, that's, that's his name, um, man has not showed that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has shown you that. So Peter's this boldness, he, he steps up, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, and we accept that in salvation, you are the Christ, but there, there's a confliction of terms here, because and maybe you've done this before, I know I probably have in my early uh, walk with Christ, where I'm bold now on Sunday morning, but maybe on on Monday afternoon or Tuesday, I shy away. Peter did that. Peter was bold. You are the Christ. Of course, Jesus is there. Uh, Eleven other disciples are there, the apostles. And all of a sudden, though, he denied Christ three different times. He, the person that he called out and said, you are the Christ, now he's denying. So there's a, there's a conflict. There's a, a confliction there. Uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter has a sword, okay? He has a weapon. And a man named Melchius, who came as a warrior, a centurion, to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out the sword and cuts off Melchus's ear, and his ear is laying on the ground, and Jesus reattaches it as a miracle, a complete miracle he does for this person. But here's, here's Peter, right, the, the big fisherman, probably a, a strong guy, cutting off the ear of a guy. I mean, I don't, he had really good aim, or he had bad aim, but he cuts the guy's ear off. This same guy, two hours later, is afraid of a 12-year-old girl. The confliction of Peter continues. Now think about that. Here, here's a guy who boldly says he's Christ, but he denies him three times. Here's a guy who cuts off a centurion's ear, but is afraid of a 12-year-old girl who calls him out saying, hey, you're one of those Galileans as well. Jesus in Luke, the fifth chapter, calls Peter to come and follow me. 
And then at the end of his ministry, he says, follow me again, Peter, in John the 20th chapter, 21st chapter. In the middle of the Gospels, there's a storm. Jesus just had fed 5,000 uh, men and women and children. In addition to that, he sets the, the guys on a course in the Sea of Galilee going over there. It's the fourth watch of the night, so it's about 3 or 4 in the morning, and a storm develops. And these fishermen who are used to storms, they were afraid. They thought they were going to die. And in the distance, they saw a ghost walking on the water. And someone calls out and says, Jesus, is that you? He said, peace be still. And the storm's calm, and, and Peter still wasn't believing. He said, uh, Master, if that's you, bid me come. And so it, Jesus says, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. Now he's got such faith in Jesus that he's walking on water. Yet during the, the crucifixion and the week of passion, Peter's nowhere to be seen. He hides into the crowd. So one moment he's bold, and he's following the, Jesus who said, uh, come and, and follow me. And the next time he gets lost in the crowd. And sometimes in our salvation, that's how we get. We get to this point where we're, we're conflicted. If I'm saved, why am I this way? If I'm saved, why did my prayers not get answered? If I'm saved, why am I having these troubles or these thoughts or these, these problems? And I'm going to tell you that you're in good company if you're that way because Peter was that way. And Jesus says, upon this rock I shall build my church. It's salvation. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There should be no, uh, there should be no fight. There's going to be a battle, but it's already been won. And so we walk through salvation with Peter, and we see what Jesus has said. He's not talking about Peter, Cephas, the rock. He's talking about the rock of salvation that Jesus, in fact, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy in this particular case. Deuteronomy, I think it's 30, I know it's 32, I think it's around the 15th verse, says, and this is, and he is the rock of my salvation. Mo Moses is quoting, okay? And so Jesus is quoting that same thing. This rock of salvation comes in and makes us Christ followers. Who's that? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's important to know because when we call on Jesus, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're saved. You're part of this amazing team. We'll talk about it in a little bit. You're, you're part of what God is doing. You, you are saved. There's no pre-qualifications to salvation. You call upon the name of the Lord and then you are saved. But he wants everything. He wants our heart. He wants our soul. He wants our mind. He wants our ambition. He wants our ideas. He wants everything, okay? And so Peter understands that, and that's why one of the pillars of the church isn't, isn't Peter, but it's salvation. This is a pillar. You can't have a church body. And now we're talking about building. You can't have a church body without salvation. It's, 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 it's totally like the number one thing. You have to be saved. And if you're not here today, I would suggest just invite Jesus Christ into your life. If you've invited Christ into your life, and yet things still aren't maybe the way you want them to be, know this, that they weren't with Peter either. Peter was, a, was a, 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 just an action getting ready to take place. He was a process, okay? Just like all of us are in our Christian walk. There's been things in our lives that maybe become freeing as we go, or maybe they become hindering as they go in, in, in our walk with, with Jesus. So Peter's salvation, number two, we have John, the disciple, 
And John's a discipler, okay? John's the beloved. John's the talks about himself in the third person. He was the one at the cross with, with the three Marys that were there. And, and, he's, and he's handling things. And he, he takes care of Jesus' mother. And, he, and he, he gets a vision, a revelation. He writes one, two, and three. Uh, John, he writes the book of John. John uh, God's filling him full of good things and, and good material. And, and his gospel's not one of the synoptic. It's not Matthew, Mark, or Luke. They're, those three are kind of the same. John's a more personal approach. And if you're a, a young believer, read the book of John because it, it gives us input on who Jesus was and why Jesus did some of the things he did. And that's discipleship. You can't mandate discipleship. You can't mandate everybody becoming a, a small group. We, we would love for you to be in a small group, maybe even lead a group after a while. We would love for you to be a part of the church growing. Maybe, a you know, we don't really do Sunday school, but some kind of a Bible study or a class. We would love for you. We can't mandate it, but we can through relationships as we grow together as one. Once we become saved, we're uh, Christ's followers. Salvation is ours. It's free. As long as the gospel is free, there's no prequalifications. But then John talks to us in his gospel about discipleship about walking through things together, about learning together, about sharing together, about being a part. I like what, um, in, in, in this realm, I, I like what uh, Paul said in his confrontation to Peter. Now, this is good discipleship. It's, it, Peter is, be, is being like a non-Jew uh, when non-Jews are there and without the Jewish cronies there. But when the Jewish, he calls them Jewish cronies, we would say uh, the, the far right, uh, the religious right, when, when, and that will offend somebody, I'm sure. But when people, legalistic, traditional people, it's like, um, when you're here, Paul said, Peter, when the, when the religious people aren't around, you're acting just like the non-Jews. I mean, you're hanging out with them. You're laughing with them. You're breaking bread with them. You're, you're partying with them. You're doing all kinds of stuff. And that, but when your religious crazy people come and then they come over here, you back away. Like you don't even know those people at all. That's hypocritical. And so I think what happens sometimes, church, and this is discipleship, is if you've got a flaw, if you've got a problem, if you've got an issue, don't hide it, all right? Don't, don't hide it. Let it be exposed to loving people within the confines of the church, the body, so they can do what James says, to pray one for another. Why? So that we can be healed. It's important to understand that people sometimes will hide what they're about, okay? Well, I can't do that because I grew up legalistic or grew up traditional, and that wasn't accepted in my church. Or that wasn't accepted by my peer group, so I'm just going to hide. I, I know a person, and, and uh, Janie knows this person as well, and a couple other people do in our, in our, in our fellowship here. They don't go to our church. God, godly person, lo loves God, works in the church, faithful as can be, and I, I was telling uh, Janie one day, I, I said, I really like that person, but I, I think they have a, a problem with alcohol. And uh, she said, really? She was really shocked. I said, yeah, I don't, I don't want to judge the person. I, man, I, I do not want to judge. I just, because I really, I love the person, but every time I talk to them, I just, I get the strong uh, odor of alcohol on their breath. And she said, ah, oh, man, I, I don't see it. I said, yeah, I don't see it either, but I sure smell it. <laughs> And that was before COVID when my smell left me. And, and uh, so I said, just you, you check it out. She, uh, 
my wife is very uh, uh, intuitive. Uh, the Holy Spirit really deals with her strongly, and I lean on that a lot of times, and so I respect that in her, and, and I love that about her, and so we don't see that person all the time. They go to a, a different church, and so, you know, we had opportunity to see that person again, and I, I said, what do you, what do you think? And, and she said, I, I, don't think, I don't think that person's got an alcohol problem at all. I said, really? I, man, I, she said, that's mouthwash. I think they have a nicotine problem. I think they go and hide their, I think they go and smoke and they hide their smoking with, with heavy uh, alcohol-related mouthwash and then they, so you can't smell the smoke. And here I thought the person was a problem with alcohol and it was a nicotine issue that they were hiding. So the problem isn't with the person, the problem's really with the church. See, we've banned certain people. we push certain things out. We've all been told growing up, you can't do this, this, and this, and this, and that makes you a Christian. No, it doesn't. The love of Jesus Christ makes you a Christian. The fact that you accepted that love and what he did on the work, that's what saves you, not doing this list of things. And the shame on the church is this. We've kept pushing people out to where they, they have to hide. And this is what Peter was doing. He was hiding the fact that he was working with the non-Jews. He was loving the non-Jews. He was eating the non-Jews. But when Jewish people came around, he became a non-Jewish lover. He didn't, yeah, I can't. I don't like those guys. And it becomes hypocritical to where when the church starts to deal in hidden sin or hidden vices, we totally neglect what James told us. James says, wait a second, if you've got a problem, call for the elders of the church, our people in the church, believers in the church is what he's saying, okay? Ex confess your sin or your flaw, or your fault, or your hindrance one to another. Let them pray for you so that you will be healed. And see, we've dropped the ball, uh, the body of believers, as far as I'm concerned, across the globe, because we would say, well, that guy can't be saved because. And all of a sudden, we become judge and jury, when we need to allow God to be judge and jury. Amen? So listen, I go back to it one more time. If you, you need discipleship, I need discipleship, we need discipleship, but we need a church made up of people who are willing to disciple people that get it right and say, listen, let's not hide that. Let's expose it. Let's pray for it because that way we can all be healed. We don't get healed because we feel better. Oh, good, there's one more mess that, that got cleaned up. We feel better because we know the Holy Spirit. We sang the song. We prayed the prayer. The Holy Spirit just comes in all of a sudden he starts to love on all type of people it's important to understand that it's important to know that because that's true discipleship true discipleship is not calling out somebody's flaw or sin true discipleship is loving God so much that he brings people in your path that you can minister to with the love of Jesus Christ that's true discipleship it's not, oh, you can't do that, check that box, you can't do that, then become judge and jury, and that's not a healthy situation to be in. Are you with me? The last but not least is, the, uh, is James. He, we talked about him again. This is not James and John. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And we talk about community or we talk about church, okay? The word, perfect word here would be church. James is in charge of the church. Acts, the 15th chapter, James stands up and say, I, James, thus have spoken. What's he speaking to? He's speaking to, do we allow Gentiles in or do we allow Gentiles and Jews in? Do we allow Gentiles in that are going to be circumcised? Do we not? 
not allowed them in. And James says, wait a second, we're going to allow them all in just the way they are. If they profess Christ, they want the Holy Spirit to be uh, involved in their life. They profess Jesus as Lord. They're part of our team. They're part of who we are. This, this is the community then of Christ. These are, these are fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so James is dealing with this thing. And then while I'm in Colorado, I, I read the verse, uh, Revelations 3 and 20. And I'm thinking, wow, what a powerful verse. And you'll know it as soon as I say it. But the meaning behind it is almost contrary. Again, there's this confliction again. Jesus is preaching in the first part of Revelations. Uh, for, uh, J- Revelations 1 and 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, most people would say that would be the Sabbath. Some people would say, and it's true in, uh, in the, the kings and queens, that there's a, there's a, day, there's a Lord's day. And this is, uh, this, the problem with this is they make themselves Lord higher than Jesus as Lord. That's why every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Because the, if you watch some of the royalty documentaries or royalty shows, the, the one key thing is bow the knee. Did, did they bow the knee? You got to bow the knee. Well, everybody's going to bow the knee to Jesus at some point in time. Everybody's going to bow the knee. And so uh, James is, is saying this in communion. In Revelations 3 and 20, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, red letter, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Are everybody with me on that one? And whoever opens the door, I'll let them in. This is going to be a beautiful thing. And so we read, we read it, we preach it, we quote it, we say it. But the oddity here is, the confliction here is he's actually speaking to the churches. Now think about that for a second. Why is that odd? Because if he's speaking to the churches, shouldn't he be in the church? Why is it that Jesus is outside of the church knocking on the door saying, would you let me in? Have we pushed Jesus out of the church? Have we made it to where everything's so good that we don't even need Jesus? Well, we can say who can come. We can say who come. We love the worship. We love the word. Everything's great. It's just that Jesus is missing on Sunday morning. And he's standing at the door and he's knocking 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 and he's knocking. And he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come on in. And this has been our prayer now for years. And I love the song that we say, Holy Spirit, would you just come in? Would you just make your way? Would you just flow with us? Would you just bring, would you just get us to that point? Because Jesus, Jesus is knocking. Shouldn't we let him in, but shouldn't he already be here? The importance of Christ is that if you're waiting till Sunday morning to get your worship on, you've missed the whole boat. You should be bringing your worship with you so that when the worship team gets up, we're already fully engaged in worship. It wouldn't matter what they say. It would be like, man, I just can't wait to worship. It would be off the charts. It shouldn't matter what the pastor preaches. Jesus wept, and we're all of a sudden, we're starting to cry because Jesus wept, we're going to cry. Why? Because we're so in tune with God because I've not waited until Sunday morning to get my word. And if you're chasing afterwards, shame on you because Jesus is the word, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. You have a word with you every morning when you get up. Every single day. This is what James is talking about in community. That's why it's one of the pillars. Salvation's a pillar. Discipleship's a pillar. But so is community. But if we continue to exile people that don't belong into our community, shame on us. That's when we start saying Jesus is knocking. Rather than be here, he's knocking on the door trying to get in. Now, some of you are still a little bit like, I don't, I don't get that. See, the Bible says... 
all the religious people were saying, that man hangs out with sinners. So I wonder if that's another reason why Jesus can't get inside the church. Because if we don't let certain people inside the church, Jesus has to go outside the church to hang out with them. So then he can't come in. But if we accept people just the way they are, and we are a church for all people, we're going to get some people that maybe we disagree with. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'll say it again and again and again. If they profess Christ as Lord and Savior, they're probably part of the team. Let's let Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, fix them, just like he's fixing me, okay? And maybe some of you. We're going to be imperfect. Now, I know that rubs some people the wrong way. You're like, Pastor, you're just preaching a really soft gospel, and I don't understand it. No, I'm not. I'm preaching a real free gospel. I'm preaching a gospel that says, wait a second, you can be a little twisted, a little messed up. If you love Jesus, at least we're on the same path. Now, I, I ran in a race yesterday, and I don't run like some of these people. Some of these people are just freakish. I have running shoes. My whole outfit, I'm a bargain shopper. My whole outfit doesn't cost what some of these guys spend on their shoelaces. And when I'm going, I'm not even halfway, and my son's flying back the other way, I'm thinking, you little freak, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. And my daughter-in-law beats me by two or three minutes, and I'm like, come on. I just want to win something. Well, I did finish third in my age group, but that's because I'm entirely way too old to be racing. I said, not even worth a clap. Thank you. But it's like, okay, I don't run 30 or 40 miles a week. I don't run 30 or 40 miles a month, but I run. Hear me. Hear me. This is really important. Maybe you're not what you think is a top-shelf Christian. But if you love Jesus, you're on the team. You're, you're with us, all right? Because like Peter, some top-shelf Christians are still hiding their sin. They just don't want to be exposed. And shame on them for that. Because they have people in church, this one too, this, this church especially, that love them enough that's not going to judge and that's going to say, hey man, let's just pray together. Let's be true community. And that's what Paul called Peter out on. And that's what Jesus is saying. Man, I'm knocking at the door would you please let me in? Wait a second. You should already be in here. You should be here when we come. We should be bringing you with us because wherever two or three shall gather together in his name, there will he be right in the middle of them. But yeah, but pastor, we got, we got some sin in the camp. We got some sin. Here. That's right. There's sin all around us. There's going to be sin in here, but I'm, I'm not excusing sin. I'm simply saying, wait a second. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you are saved. That's the gospel. That's the free gospel. Now, let me give you three things really quickly that I wrote down in Colorado that, that uh, you need to be careful about when you express your freedom. Because some people, the only thing they're going to walk away with is, Pastor said, I can be free. I'm just going to be free. Wait a second. Number one, they're not up there. Your freedom should draw you closer to God than farther away from God. That's critical, and some of you need to write that down. If your freedom's not drawing you closer to God, it's not freedom. It's, it's a hiccup, hang-up, a habit, or it's death to you. Your freedom needs to draw you closer to God. Amen? 
That, that's what freedom is. Because when I'm truly free in Christ, when I got true of religious tradition, free of religious tradition, and I got free of legalism, I grew by leaps and bounds because now I'm not trying to keep people happy. Let's, let's go really quickly to that last 19 through 21 of Galatians 2. Let's read that really quickly. Uh, you see the first part, it's not Christ. The, the life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going, let's go on, um, to go back on that. It is not clear to you that you go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. He's asking questions like, I can't, I can't become a rule follower. I'm not, there's boundaries. There's, there's, there's things that I have to walk by. There's things I have to walk into. But just by keeping rules doesn't make me a good Christian. In some cases, it doesn't even make me a good person because then I'm so bitter, I got to keep rules that other people don't keep that then I become jealous and offended at them and very judgmental. And I start pointing fingers. Well, they can't be saved if they do that or they can't be saved if, if they do that. And all of a sudden, I become judge and jury, okay? So, but the first thing, and I'll say it again, if your freedom doesn't take you closer to God, it's probably not freedom. It's probably uh, uh, something that's... Uh, uh, cast upon you that you need to get rid of. Number two, your freedom shouldn't be a stumbling block to somebody else. You should be careful in your freedoms. And listen, if your freedom, let me say this, uh, if your freedom becomes an agenda, you're wrong. If you put on social media how free you are more times than how much you love Jesus, I'd say you got your freedoms mixed up. I think your freedom should be in Christ, Amen. Not in who you are, not in what you do, not, not, not the whys and the because. You need to be free in Christ. And then that leads to number three, you need to be humble in your freedom. So if my freedom is a stumbling block for somebody, then there's a, there's a little twisty turn there. I want to be careful that I'm not hiding my freedom. Okay, if God exposes that sin, I'm hiding sin. If the Holy Spirit exposes that freedom and he doesn't convict you of it, then you just still have to be careful that you're not hiding a, a stumbling block for somebody else, all right? Maybe you can do something somebody else can't do. You have to be careful. Maybe I can do something you can't do. I have to be careful. I've got to be careful it doesn't present a stumbling block to somebody in that realm, all right? But then I have to be humble in my freedom. Come on back, worship team. I have, to be, I have to be this type of person that if I walk in humility because I'm free to do things that maybe somebody else isn't or somebody else doesn't understand or somebody else can't go there with that realm or somebody says, well, wait a second. And when we get further along in this, Paul exposes some things that aren't free. Paul exposes, so I'm not giving you the free gospel that says, wait, go ahead and do whatever you want. We're going to take this thing week to week, but our freedom is found in Christ. But you must walk through it humbly because your freedom is not found in what you do, who you are, how you've been, or where you've come from. Your freedom is the fact that just like everybody else, we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. That makes us free. But pastor, what about this person? Or what about that person? Do they, do they love Jesus? Do they, they, they say they accepted Christ? All right, we're going we're gonna to start there. We're going to be on the, same, we're on the same team. We're on the same page. Well, they, they ain't on my team. Well, they don't have to be. They'll be on Jesus' team. If you're on Jesus' team, at some point in time, they're going to be on your team. Well, they got to get things straightened out. How come they're not? Time out for a second. 
have you taken the chance and the opportunity to disciple them or are you just busy talking about them? Because if you'll disciple with them, then maybe you can see where they've come from. We, we have addicts. We have people, we, we've had people in our, in our church that the, the police department's calling me up and says, you can't let them come there. And I, and I what is that? Wait, what do you mean? I, I can't let them come here. And then they give me the reason. So we gotta, we gotta line up disciplers for them because they can't come into our church because they've got too many bad things in their past. But it doesn't mean that they're not accepted by God and they're not on our team. So we have to look at things with the perspective, wait a second, if this is a free gospel, and Paul's, Paul, the apostle Paul, probably the biggest rule follower there is, says, I'm not going to have peer pleasing and rule keeping take me away from God anymore. I don't care what y'all think. I'm going to serve God. Then that's the attitude I'm gonna have, but I'm gonna qualify it by saying this, you need to be very humble in your freedom. And if your freedom becomes your agenda and it ain't attached to Jesus, then there's a stronghold around your neck. Are you with me? Make sense? Let's stand today. We're gonna, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing one more time. And I love the song that we're gonna sing because it's the church, amen. Because this is the church. And if you're watching online, you're the church. We're all part of a church. We're a new establishment now because it's different coming out of COVID and we're coming back into COVID. So we don't know how things will look in the next three months or six months. But I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm concerned because I love our people. I'm not worried because God's still in charge. He's not walking the corridors of heaven. He's not nervous. He knows exactly what's around the corner. But what he's asking Grace Church to do and every other church in the world is to say, wait a second, make sure that you make this free with no qualifications. Can you say amen? That's crucially important. Let me pray and let's worship one more time. Father, we thank you so much for your free gospel. We thank you for freedom. I pray for freedom in this house, Lord. Freedom, Lord, to freedom to change. Freedom to become new. Freedom to be a different person. Freedom to be transformed. Freedom to follow you and not an agenda. Freedom to follow Christ and not a, uh, not a tradition or a legalism. Freedom to follow you with everything in us, Lord and Holy Spirit. I pray you change in us what you want to change and what you, what, you, uh, what you don't like and what doesn't line up with scriptures and what doesn't line up, Father Lord, with your word. We pray today, Lord, that we can be free, Lord, in Christ Jesus because we know you love us. And we love you. If, there, if there's a person here that's dealing with something, Lord, would you open it in their heart? Lord, would you share with them, Father, your love, your forgiveness, your change? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing one more time. God bless you.
say amen to that word this morning. That was so good. Amen. I shared this little analogy in first service. Um, Drew and Emily have a dog that is 90 pounds. He's a golden doodle. He's completely black. Um, and we help out with the dog, kind of getting them ready for parenting. And that's why they don't have a child yet is because they have this dog. So this dog does whatever he wants to sometimes. He's 90 pounds, and I, I have a girl that comes in the first service, and she's a dog trainer, and she is so sweet. She gets on her blog, and she says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to just, you know, walk your dog, and she's just so sweet, and she's saying you need to be consistent, and, you know, it's just a sweet little voice, and she's telling you, but then on the other side of her, she is saying this, like with this hand, oh, you just you just love your dog, and he'll do whatever you want, you want it, and be consistent with it, be disciplined. But over here, she's saying, you know, you're an idiot if you think you're just going to take your dog out one time and it's just going to do whatever you tell it to do. She's really saying that to me when, when she's talking to me. I know she is because, like, I'm going to have to work with this dog and they have to work with this dog through training and consistency. On one side, she's being very polite and very sweet. But on the other side, like this Galatians, they're trying to, he's trying to tell you straight up you need to have disciplines in your life we can have grace grace is from god it's for everybody it's beautiful but it's going to take some disciplines it's going to take some work so it's kind of a two-sided thing i'm going to teach you this but you need to do this if you want to be consistent if you want to grow in god you want to grow in your relationship that you need to not be like like me i want to take the dog for a walk I don't want the dog to take me for a walk. And that's what happens with this 90 pounder sometimes. Well, she is teaching me, this is a consistence every day. You need to do this. Pull back on the, pull back on that, that leash and just let him be right here. If he's up here, he's not where he needs to be. And that's in our relationship with, with our walk with God. If we're up here, that's not where we need to be. We need to be right here with God. We need to be walking, but it comes through disciplines in our life. And that's what, what pastor's trying to teach us. There's disciplines that we have got to learn to walk through. There's actions. It's not a rule following. It's a relationship thing that is going to make you draw closer to God because you want to draw closer. And when he's knocking at the door, he wants to come in. And I just, I love that. That was just such a powerful word. Uh, I think you're going to continue to get more out of this next week. He had mentioned he had a really good word. And, well, I'll just say I agree. That was a really good word. So good job. Um, yeah, good job. So good. So this week, get ahead. It's a consistency. Get in there. Get ready for next Sunday or Wednesday. We're going to be Wednesday as well. But be ready. Try to try to just get a scripture. If, if you're not a, a word reader every day, you can put it on on your phone. But it'd be so good just to open your Bible this week and just say, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you going to say to me? Just read a verse. If you aren't a singer and you just say, well, I'm just going to put the worship music on and maybe just sing along with it and just start preparing your heart to say, Lord, I want to be open to be full of you. It's the disciplines. It's the consistency that will make us be what God wants us all to be. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you are so good and that your grace is more than enough. Your price that you've already paid has already paid the price for our salvation and we receive that openly. We thank you for that. But Lord, 
on the other side, we want to grow with you. We want to know you. We want to follow you, not with rules, but with our hearts. So, Lord, would you just teach us to walk in that consistency, that discipline, that we would know who you are and the freshness of your passion and desire, that we would grow in that, that we would love you like you love us and you gave your life for us. So let us lay down our life that you could live through us. We love you and we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome week, y'all. We'll see you Wednesday at 6.30 if you want to come out. Be blessed. See you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.